0: this is fam electric ghost and we're live on there for the first time with uh natalie Feynman. um and you're a stress resilience mental fitness and weight loss coach and uh thank you for being on the fam electric ghost show tonight
1: thanks for having me it's a pleasure to be here
0: well it's always cool to talk to new people we talk to people almost every day and uh, well, I let people know, we also are a featured podcast on the Newsly platform. You see, listen on Newsly up there icon. If you use uh, coupon code Ghost to get one month free premium subscription on that platform, we are a featured podcast on the Newsly platform. So people will be able to listen to that uh, sometime tonight. And so this is actually episode 920 of the Family Electric Ghost podcast. We've been around since uh, 2016. If you track us on Apple podcast, that's where that number comes from. And then what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about, uh, recovering from the overgiver syndrome is the kind of primary subject. And then we have questions that we'll follow up, uh, just in a a kind of natural conversation way, but we also have your website, which is nolimitscoachingnow.com. And we've mentioned that just because there are people who listen rather than watch so uh that's www.nolimitscoachingnow.com
1: that's me thank you
0: so in your background um (laughs) so you you've been helping uh like exhausted and stressed out um women Mm -hmm. create healthy and confident confident energized lives and maybe you want to talk about like how you do that through yeah. stress resilience mental fitness yes. and weight loss. Absolutely.
1: Coaching. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So so much of the energy drain that we experience on a daily basis comes from us carrying around this this identity this this judgment of ourselves as not being good enough as we are. So we have to we, we feel like we have to earn our our love, our acceptance, our respect for our, our self-worth by doing things for other people. And by putting other people's needs in front of our own needs, by serving other people until we have no energy, no time left for ourselves. And that, that's why I call it overgiver syndrome, because that sends us a, a kind of a subconscious toxic message that we're just not important enough by ourselves, that, that our only value is what we give and how we serve to other people, and that we're not important enough to have needs and dreams and wants and desires of our own so when especially we as women we spend years or decades of our lives taking care of everybody except ourselves and then we wonder why we feel burned out and and exhausted and frustrated um, especially when we get to a point of transition in our lives when maybe the kids have grown up and left the house and going off to college or our marriage is breaking up and we're just kind of entering this new phase in our lives. Or we retire from the job that used to define us. And, you know, we, we start asking ourselves these questions like, who am I when I get up in the morning? What am I going to do with myself? Who am I if I'm not the person who makes breakfast for the kids and I'm not the person that gets up and goes to work every day? Or I'm not the person that takes care of my husband or wife anymore anymore? And it, it can really kind of come to a point of crisis. I think that's probably why we call it a midlife crisis, right? I think everybody kind of goes through their own version of that. But when you've spent your entire life pouring everything you have into other people and, and not giving a second thought to your own needs. I think that is that is when it becomes that identity crisis that I that I'm calling overgiver syndrome, and so that's that's what I help women kind of come to terms with and recognize, and then reconnect with the vision and the dreams that they used to have. Um, when they, you know, when when we were young kids, we all kind of had that feeling of uniqueness and specialness, and then slowly the world kind of trampled that out of us as we became adults, and so I, I help people to to kind of find their way back to that so they yeah, I, find the next phase of their
0: life yeah i think what happens like you know when once you become a parent especially with women who are in the nurturing kind of mode and it's kind of society expects that and then expects you to like drop mm-hmm. everything that you wanted to do in college or high school mm-hmm. exactly. and then suddenly you're supposed to take on all of the you know nurturing roles and for your husband and your kids and everybody mm-hmm. and maybe even the neighborhood depending yeah. on what's going on mm-hmm. if, you know and uh Look, okay, I'm a child of the 70s. And my mom was kind of nurturing like the, all the kids because she was a stay at home mom and all the kids would come to our house and she's baking cookies and she's doing this and doing that. And like all the kids would just come to her, come to our house because my mom was there. Exactly. You know, other other mom, moms were working. And then, you know, eventually she went out to work and found like, a, you know, after the empty nest stuff, because she started running into like, you know, I, I, all I did was raise you three boys and these other kids. And and now I want to do something.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, other than that. Um, so, yeah. And, you know, I think I think it's it's just so pervasive in our society that we we as women, we actually feel guilty for taking 10 minutes to take care of ourselves. Like we we think that we should be this 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 endless, never empty vessel of energy and just never, never needing to, to take care of ourselves, take time for ourselves, feeling guilty about it, feeling like we don't deserve it. So that's, that's kind of the heart of the reason why I'm here today.
0: That, that I think it's really cool because I mean, a lot of people I deal with are creative people mm-hmm. and a focus over time is I've tried to give my podcast a, a, vo- a voice for female singer, songwriters and producers. That's how I started because I felt like they weren't getting a voice and people weren't giving them like a behind the music interview. Mm-hmm. They were giving all the, like the boy, the guy bands, you know, all the, all the male centered <laughs> acts were getting all the attention. I said, well, why not? You know, that's how I started. And I it, it, it started to really, you know, find, find a lot of people appreciated. It. I was able to kind of get this podcast off the ground because I decided I was gonna focus on people I felt that didn't have a voice and people who were doing really good work And, and, and I, I thought it was interesting to hear what women had to say as, as musicians, because we always had, you know, the stones and the who and Pink Floyd, all these guys, it's like, like, why, why not listen to a different point of view? And, uh, I think that's the, some people don't, you know, they gave these people gave themselves permission to actually do this type of work, but like, yeah, it's, it's it's hard to get to that point where you're finally like, Hey, I do want to get back into writing or painting or photography yeah. or filmmaking or whatever, any kind of creative place. But like the responsibilities make you feel like, well, I shouldn't do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you feel guilty about it. And then maybe a couple of decades have gone by and you're trying to find your way back to that place that used to make you feel so impassioned. And it, sometimes it can be hard to remember how to get back to where you were before life carries you off in a different direction.
0: So what's the most important thing to get somebody to get back into like a healthy lifestyle and uh, kind of start to, um, you know, not be such a people pleaser um, and figure out how to actually take care of themselves rather than take care of the whole neighborhood.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, I think the first thing that, I I try to get people to understand is that it is not selfish to take time for yourself, for, for what you love, for no other reason than that just you enjoy it. And it's not to make anyone else happy other than yourself. And not only is it not selfish, it's critically important because that is what is going to refill your energy cup. And you, you can't pour from an empty cup. We all know that. And if you run yourself ragged and run yourself into the ground, you're not going to have anything to give the people that you love. And the people you love don't deserve the exhausted, burned out, frustrated version of you. They deserve to have the version who's happy and fulfilled, energized and well adjusted and and inspired by what they're looking forward to in their lives. That's when you can bring the best version of yourself and you can only get there when you're taking care of yourself first, just like they say on the airplane, you gotta put the oxygen mask on yourself before you can help somebody else. So overcoming that resistance to actually taking care of ourselves is the first step. And then the second step mm-hmm. is really remembering that you are worth it, that you don't have to earn that time that 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 you give to yourself. You, you don't have to give anything in exchange for it. You don't have to prove it, that, that you're worth it. You're born worthy and everybody deserves to have that that same feeling of, of self-worth and self-esteem. Um, it's not something that you have to work for. It's something that you deserve just because you were born into this world and you don't have to be the person that everyone around you expects you to be. You get to be yourself and you don't have to apologize for it. So that's kind of where I start with people because, you know, the the heart of people pleasing is, is we are trying to prove that we are worth the affection, the connection, the respect, the love that we want from other people. So we try to earn it by giving everything we can to other people in hopes that they'll give back to us. And they don't always do that. And when that doesn't happen is when we... We find ourselves looking back years or decades later resentful at where did all that time in my life go and what do i have to show for it where are all those people that i spent so much time and energy taking care of where are they now that was kind of why I, I came to a crisis point in my life after probably uh, 30 yeah. years in my career um where are all those people who couldn't live without me and needed me 24 7 every second of my life um you know i turn around and i got old and those people have moved on with their own lives, where, whereas I felt like I was kind of at a standstill. So I, you know, to to the best mm-hmm. of my ability, I don't want that to happen to anybody else.
0: Well, so I think there's it. a lot of people that you, you get a belief. You have a belief when you're a kid because, like, your your parents say, well, you know, that's like a silly idea. You shouldn't, you know, or, or you're not good enough or, you know, you know. If you get these things, like these things come into your psyche and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, like that's not a truth. That's a belief that you took as a truth. And then, you, then you're trying to, to you know, yeah, everybody deserves respect. You shouldn't have to earn mm-hmm. as a human yeah. being. You deserve respect, right?
1: Exactly. And and that judgment, it kills your creativity and it kills your uh, your willingness to take risks and try new things and to reach out of your comfort zone. It it kind of makes us all afraid to, to try anything. Yeah, yeah. So we we withdraw into ourselves and we kind of cocoon ourselves in safety. But safety is also suffocating at some point in your life when um, you've you've been doing the same thing over and over for 30 years. And this is exactly what happened to me. I refer to there's a whole 30 year period of my life that I call the black hole. Because all I did was eat, sleep, work. And meanwhile, my dreams hmm. were getting suffocated. And I was I was just losing my my sense of optimism for the future. And um, that, is, that is at the heart of overgiver syndrome.
0: I think what happens also, you get people I've run into, overachievers, you know, to do an 80-hour, 90-hour road mm-hmm. warrior. And yep. it's like, what are you so trying smooth. to do? What's the point of what you're trying to do? They get they put themselves in a box, right? And, yeah. and and it's not really making them feel good. Like they there was an expectation that if you do all this, it's going to make you feel good, but then it doesn't. Right? Exactly. So then you're like, you know. So the the thing I have always been is like I'm a creative person, and I found a way to just do it regardless of what anybody thought about it, because it's like cathartic for me. As yeah. a musician and a producer and a podcast, I'm a creative type of person. So I have a day job, but I always mm-hmm. made time to stay, you know, be a musician. Whether I was going to be making money on it or not, it was, it was just something for my own therapeutic uh, ability. To, to me, to be, being creative, being a piano player, or being a musician, producer allows me to take all these things that impact me and turn it into art. Right. so if I'm happy, I'm sad, whatever, I find a way to kind of release that. And then some people have never given themselves the permission to do that, and they've always exactly. wanted to, but people told them, Oh, that's silly, you shouldn't do that, or it's right. not important. And then you know, they have no way to, to relieve the stress. So I'm kind of interested in uh, stress resilience because for me, music was my stress, you know, de stress. Yeah. That's yeah, how you nailed to it,
1: absolutely. And your description of those overachievers, and this is also a huge part of my story as well, we are trying to earn our self-worth by constantly achieving and accomplishing more and more and more things. And exactly as you described, it's never enough. You you set your sights on one accomplishment. You think, oh, this is going to earn me all kinds of respect and and this I'm going to have arrived when I get there and then you get there and it's not enough. And so you look for the next thing and the next thing, and your entire self-worth is invested in what can I achieve? What can I accomplish? And then when you, when you can't achieve and achieve and achieve, you feel this crushing sense of worthlessness. And I've experienced this myself. And I think, I think this is a huge part of why so many people are suffering from depression because no amount of achievement is ever enough for you to feel like you are worthy, until you realize that that sense of worthiness has to come from within you. It's not anything that you can do or reach for or accomplish. It has to come from from you. You have to believe that you are worthy, and then everything that you do will reflect that.
0: It's so also I'm, you're running to artists, found yeah. yeah. Well, I've done it. Run into a lot of like artistic people, oh, and they run into an issue where they're comparing themselves to like a benchmark type of person. Like, oh, I'm coming, like, I'll try to be like Jimmy Page or try to be like Hendrix or like James Job. Well, you're never going to be that, right? Right. You're going to be right. you. And as a producer, sure. I always tell people, like, I'll help you be the best version of you. But if you're trying to be Jim Morrison, well, you're probably you're not going to be Jim Morrison, right?
1: Yeah, you, or you'll you, be a second. You'll you right make Jim it Morrison.
0: close, but you're never yeah. going to be him. Right. Mm-hmm. So why don't you try to be the best version? Yeah. Why, why, why don't you be the version of you? Why don't you f- take what's unique about you and make that the point? Cause that's why everybody's voice is so unique. If we spend time on just taking your voice and your style and your, your aesthetic and actually bringing out the best aspects of it. That's right. how I feel. And other and people you... try to clone other things and copy. Yeah. And there's a lot of but... copying and cloning and sampling. Mm-hmm. And I'm, yeah, I'm more into like find yeah. the original you. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. And the more you try to be like someone else, the more people that are listening to you are going to compare you to who you're trying to be and you're never going to measure up. But if you're not trying to imitate someone else, you are you are the original and you are the standard by which everyone's going to compare you to. As long as you are authentically representing yourself, there's, there's no, nothing to find fault with. You're unique in the world, and that that is inspiring.
0: Yeah, I mean that's what it's really interesting. If you ever there's a, there's a story like Jim Morrison is so unique, right? Everybody's like, "Well, he's the Doors," and that's a very unique voice. But one thing that people didn't probably don't know is he loved Frank Sinatra, and mm. if you actually deconstruct how he sings, he actually has an aspect of Frank Sinatra's voice, but he has uniquely Jim Morrison. So you can mm. you can like somebody and take like the effect of it and then still be you. And that's like the big lesson a lot of people don't get is like, you don't have to clone somebody. You can just kind of understand uh, like like what you like and then bring those things into your own being. You
1: can learn from other people, but take aspects of everything that you love about all the people that you admire and look up to and blend it into your own unique product, your own unique presentation.
0: So, so one of the things you would talk about is like stress resilience, and I want to kind of mm-hmm. understand your your concept of the term, of like how do you get to build up stress resilience? Yeah, like if yeah. somebody comes to you and they're trying to understand as a coach, you know, they they need they realize they're having a problem with stress, right? And so they they may be coming to you because they hear that key word, oh, stress resilience. What what can I get from that? Mm-hmm. What how yeah. could I approach that?
1: Sure. Absolutely. So what I mean by stress resilience is one of two things. One is your ability to handle a stressful situation, some challenge or some obstacle without without it stressing you out, without it dragging you down into that pit of negative emotion that we all can experience from time to time. But also it's, it's not really humanly possible to stay positive and optimistic and up all the time i mean we're we're not robots right we we experience highs and lows but how quickly do you recover when when you do get hijacked into stress land so resilience is your ability to kind of take things in stride and your ability to recover quickly when you do kind of trip and fall how quickly do you get back up again and and for example you know i for 32 years have been a veterinarian and i spent 24 years in the er which is extremely intense and stressful. And when I had a really emotionally distressing, physically intense, just mentally draining shift at work, sometimes it would take me two or three days before I could go back to work without feeling like I was gonna have a panic attack. And through the work that I've mm-hmm. done, primarily through positive intelligence, I've, I've, I've been able to practice these these techniques to help me recover faster And I've got that down to about 20 to 30 minutes now. So when you think about it, that's a huge amount of time that I am not experiencing stress, frustration, exhaustion, resentment, irritation, anger, all those things that I used to bring home with me and just marinate in for days and days. I'm spending a fraction of the amount of time that I used to, which means that I'm spending more time engaged in the things that fill me with passion and inspire me the things i enjoy doing so i'm i'm spending more time in the land of positive emotions than i used to and it's because there's a specific type of brain exercise that i've been taught that has allowed me to develop that resilience and that is what i teach people that come to work with me
0: that's really cool because i mean what i found as um as a musician you know we get into a kind of a stressful situation but i I'm, I'm, I'm you know if you're in a band and you you miss your cue right mm-hmm. and you, you missed the point and then how do you how do you respond to that how do you you know how do you play it off like you didn't actually hit the wrong note and and, and the mm-hmm. thing is like i'm a buddhist and one of the things we found is this idea like mm-hmm. i try to just center myself and just kind of let go right and so but what i do to de-stress a lot of times is you know, I do the breathing exercise and the meditation and the chanting mm-hmm. and, you know, it does like lower your heart rate and gets you into this breathing. It's kind of like Tai Chi or any kind of thing like that. I yeah. lived in Japan for like two years and wow. I actually practiced like a Japanese form of Buddhism, Nisho and Buddhism. And it was just this idea of you have controlling your breathing and doing the chanting and doing the meditation, but also vocalizing what you're, what you want manifest, you manifest what you, the positivity. And part yeah. of our practice is like belief of um like cause and effect in a lot, you know, like if positive actions bring positive actions, negative actions bring negative actions. If I, I focus on the positive, and if I actually actualize things are gonna be good today instead of things are gonna be a disaster today, right? right? And if I start the day saying oh, it's gonna be a disaster, mm-hmm. it's probably gonna end up being a disaster, right? <laughs> if I start the day saying I'm I'm feeling really upbeat. No matter what happens, you'll still kind of re- re- recover from anything that negatively happens with a di- more positive outlook. And so, even if bad things happen, doesn't mean that oh, you know, like I was wrong about today being a good day. Right. Cause you just learn how to recover from right. those unexpected things.
1: Yeah, and honestly, people are going to remember how well you recover from those trip and fall episodes, like when you miss your cue rather than rather than a performance that is complete perfection but maybe just not you know not authentic perfection is not really something that i that i think anybody should aspire to we should all always try to be improving but we're all going to make mistakes and when we when we learn and grow from those mistakes is really where we improve the most And if somebody sees you miss a cue and then come back even better, that to me is more impressive than if you delivered a flawless performance to begin with.
0: But, like, I'm into like jazz fusion. And so, the whole point of this, that type of format is like when you play, you kind of riff off unexpected things. And, you know, you know, There was this this musician master musician called victor wooden he's a bassist and he was talking about how you how there are no bad notes it's really a state of mind and he was showing this master class how he could run through multiple notes in different scales and just having the intention of a groove he could make it work on multiple scales and you could think that those were bad notes he said hey see there's no bad notes he was showing as a master class this is how you can recover this is how you can actually play off Like, I'm not hitting a bad note. I can, I'm not, I'm not going to have this, this intention that I can, I can actually make it happen, regardless to what note I hit. That so I don't feel like I failed. It's just a new opportunity. And, you know, a lot of times we call it in music happy accidents (laughs) because these things actually send you in a different thing and they actually contribute you to create a whole new song. And and did you
1: fight that? Yeah, some of the with the I mean, flow. Exactly. Some of the most incredible, beautiful creations have come out of accidents. So yeah, you're right. There are no bad notes only, missed opportunities. Yeah, yeah
0: like the happy accidents is very common.
1: Yeah.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's very common. I talk to writers. R- writers say the same thing. It's like they had this intention on their outline, then they went off. And they said, Well, I kind of went jumped a shark. But then, it's like, then I looked at it. Is like, really, this is this is a new direction I should actually go with this? Because kind of like the universe, the muse is telling me, maybe what I intended is it isn't actually the right thing. It's like, like you kind of open your, your mind to the possibility that maybe what you thought was right yesterday isn't actually right today. And if you I love that. try to force it,
1: yes, then things and don't. And that's kind of a metaphor for for mistakes because right, people to us in think that their they're.
0: They're, they got this plan, but you gotta. Yeah. I think that's how you recover. Like when you're an athlete, your recovery time, you're, 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 if you're an athlete, you know, a mountain biker, I climb the hill. Mm-hmm. I have to recover enough to be able to go down the hill. <laughs> like I climb the mountain. I'm a mountain biker. Like you have to have a balance. And the, like, if you attack it too hard, like you, you're not going to be able to be strong enough to hold on coming down. Mm-hmm. So you have to have a certain level of balance to understand that up and down in the woods to make that trail. You have to give and take a little bit.
1: Definitely. Definitely. And you, you just gave a perfect description of what we call the sage perspective, meaning that when things happen that turn out, not as you wish they would have, or what we would normally call a mistake or, or an obstacle, there is a hidden opportunity in there somewhere and the results from that if you just go with it may lead to something unexpected and beautiful. So embrace everything that happens because you never know where it's going to lead you.
0: Yeah. Cause I find it like in my life, I was a cancer survivor Like at age 27. Oh, I got a level three sarcoma
1: and yeah. what happened
0: is I was very rigid pre cancer. Mm-hmm. Pre cancer. I was like, I had these set notions and it had to be this way. I was like trying to do mm-hmm. perfection all the time. And then I, kind of what the cancer taught me is I had to let go because I had to take all The doctors took over You know, my, my radiologist took over, my oncologist took over. I didn't have any control and
1: mm-hmm. I had
0: to like, I had to believe what they were doing, I had to believe in myself. And then I had to kind of start replanning things and realizing. And at the end of the day, when I survived it, I said, hey, I was fearful of so many things. And I, I wasn't willing to get in front of a mic. I wasn't willing to get out in front of people. And after the mm-hmm. cancer, I changed my mindset. I said, why should I be scared of that? I be cancer. So I'm not going to be scared of that anymore. I'm going to do it. And, yeah. and it just changed my mindset. Like, why was I scared? It was like my own wall. I had my own ceiling that I had created. And no one really had told me that I couldn't do it. Wait, I kind of told myself I couldn't do it.
1: Right. That is exactly true. And I can't imagine the strength and the resilience that it must have taken you to come through that and to take that experience and to move it forward and and to change your life into what it is today with all these new experiences that you never would have had before. I, I think that is amazing. And and God bless you for for not only for surviving, but for turning that into something positive. And now you're giving it to all of your listeners. So that's amazing.
0: I I like to let people know, because some people like, once you're a cancer survivor, you could get depressed, whatever, but every day you're alive, there's like, that's a win. So when I I see people have depression, I know depression is real, but it's like, they when you're coming from a cancer survivor perspective. Every day that you wake up that you're you're here, that's a win. So to get yeah. people to have that mindset instead of having the, the, the kind of downward spiral mindset, it, it, to me is very important to let people know that like yeah, if you, all your art, artistic stuff is coming from the downward spiral, you better really think about it because like you don't want to be in the twenty eight club, right? You you'd rather be like yeah. ninety and and pass away doing still doing the music than to pass yeah. away at 28 because you're in that, you think that's what makes you an authentic right. artist. Like you don't have to, you don't have to do that.
1: <laughs> right, yeah. And you, you that, your, your story is incredibly inspiring. Um, thank you for sharing that with me and with with everybody who's listening. Um, and I, I can't help but think that that's, that also probably gave you some perspective when you're facing a challenge or a setback like what is really worth getting stressed out about when you've survived something like that? How how has that changed the way you approach challenges? Now? Yeah, I think
0: like I, yeah. well, I think when you think about it, like when I was on my bed, like I had a cancer on my back, and then I was forced to be bedridden after my operations, I couldn't even move for a long time. And one mm-hmm. of the things I did is I was a mountain biker, so what I did is I I bought a frame. And while I was in my bed, I had mail-order parts come into my house. And, you know, I, I, I started to plan building a bike. So when I got off of that bed, I would go back out. And I did exactly what I planned. As I got better and I go went through rehab, I started building my bike. And then when the doctor cleared me that I could actually go out, I started going on the trail by myself. And I didn't go with my buddies because I knew I had to build myself back up. Mm-hmm. And so once I got to the trails and I could do like a half a mile, then I could do a mile, then I could do a, a mile and a half. And then finally I started getting back to where I could do like 20, 15, 20 miles. Mm-hmm. Then I went back with my guys and they were like, You just came back and you're kicking us. And it's like, Well, you know, it, it looked overnight, but it wasn't overnight. Yeah. <laughs> it, the struggle that led it, up it was that. a process. It was a It's a process. You didn't see the steps uh, it took to get. To where I am.
1: <laughs> yes. You know what? And that that is exactly what's behind that whole compare and despair. I think you alluded to that a little bit earlier, how we compare ourselves to other people. But we we compare ourselves to other people's highlight reels. Like we only see the pretty face that they want to project to the rest of the world. We don't see the struggle. We don't see how long it took them to get there. We don't see how long it took that musician to get famous and all the failures and and all, you know, all the obstacles that they had to overcome, we only see the end product. And when you compare yourself to that perception of instant success, it's so demoralizing, but it's really, it's the struggle. It's all the things that we have to overcome that gives us the strength and the, and the skill. Well, sometimes it's not pretty, it was- you know,
0: all those steps. Yeah. I mean, every step to get back wasn't something you probably want to show everybody because it's hard and really? it, was, it wasn't, was you know, didn't look, have a good look to it. <laughs> so so everybody wants to actually have that kind of perfect look. And, you know, yeah. you know, especially today with social media, you have 30 seconds, 50 seconds to show off something. You're not really showing the big picture, which is why I like the podcast, because I yeah. can spend an hour talking to somebody and that it's not 15 seconds, not 30 seconds, not 90 seconds. Not the and, highlight you know, reel, Yeah. yeah. And so I think that then you start to find out like, what does it take to get to that? Like mental fitness. That's like the next thing It's like, I think, you know, I think we've been talking about it around it, but what, what is your idea of like concept on a mental fitness? I think we've been speaking to like ways to get to that.
1: Yeah. So mental fitness, it, it's very similar to what we talked about before as far as stress resilience. It's, it's your ability to meet challenges without letting them drag you into that that vortex of of stress and negativity. And, and it's it's your ability to recover from setbacks quickly and with a positive mindset. And so much of that is to release that that constant weight of self-judgment that we that we drag around with us to learn how to value ourselves and our time and our energy. And to learn how we impact the people around us with the energy that we bring with us. And realizing that so much of the reaction that we get from the people around us is a response to some energy that we are projecting, sometimes even not even knowingly. They are reacting to something that they're perceiving from us. We get kind of a bad feeling. So we we go on the defensive or we snap back at them. And before you know it, you're you're having this conflict and you don't even know why. And you're thinking, well, what's that guy's problem? And they're thinking, well, what was her problem? And yeah. nobody really sure realizes is. that they're they're bringing that that energy yeah. into those interactions. So increasing your awareness of how you respond to the people and the world around you, how you perceive things that happen in the world around you, um, and and that the, that um, that exercise that I told you before, the brain training exercise that helps shift away from mm-hmm. those those basic survival stress reactions to a place of more calm peaceful focused energy where you have better access to your wisdom and your creativity and your your baseline level of happiness will will start to increase the more you do that kind of work so i was always a glass half yeah, yeah. empty waiting for the other shoe to <laughs> drop kind of person and i've been working on this for over a year and a half now and and i'm i'm finally starting to feel like my my level of optimism and my level of happiness and contentment in general is really starting to increase as i'm letting go a lot of a lot of these things that used to stress me out so much but now i'm realizing i either created them for myself or i'm reacting in ways that are just not necessary and i can just let them go and become instead of trying to control everything around me, uh, my mentor always says that, uh, you know, I can't control the wind or the waves, but I can learn to be an awesome surfer. So just learning yeah. how to surf with the currents of life and take what comes and create new opportunities and be excited about what happens instead of bracing for something terrible that's probably just only existing in my head.
0: Yeah, one of the things like what I learned, uh, you know, you know, being a podcast is like, it's like a listening skill, but even as a musician is to kind of like, learn how to leave things like open. Like mm-hmm. there's a tendency when you're a musician, like you're trying to fill the, the, the head space or headroom. So what happens sometimes the musicians just start with this blank canvas, this sound painting, right? And then you just start to layer and maybe you've got four layers and then suddenly it becomes. 12 and 16, 24, 64. And then it becomes like this big muddy thing. And it's like, cause you're, you're trying to like overachieve. You're trying. And sometimes like what happens is like less is more and actually listening to the space between the notes and actually, you know, you know, actually observing things in that way. If you listen to what, when somebody talks, instead of like interjecting before they finish their thought, you know, you can do that to your own work. Like, if you, yeah. if you don't leave enough space open, and it becomes something that's hard because some people are like, Well, I got to fill that space. I got to fill that conversation right. with something. Well, is, is that really even meaningful? Did you really even understand what was going on? You're just yeah. filling it without thinking.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because our minds are so busy and we don't know how to quiet them down. And when, when you are used to being so mentally busy all the time and you do encounter that empty space, it's almost like a sense of panic, like, oh my God, I have to fill it. I have to do something. I can't just let it be. And that, that is just one of the ways that I think that we, we create the chaos that sweeps us away in our own lives sometimes and and like you said when you're in a conversation with somebody so often people aren't really listening to each other they're just waiting for their chance to talk and they're thinking of what they're going to say next but they haven't really heard what the other person has said and it's it's a shame because we we only get to know each other on the most superficial level when we interact like that and it's it's so much more rewarding to really listen on a deeper level and to to get inside the heart of the person that that you're talking to
0: kind of like the idea of like holistic thinking versus kind of reactionary,
1: yeah. kind
0: of this win the day, win the kind, you know, win the win, win the moment. Instead of like, well, why don't you like actually allow it to become this this very big like epic, but where you're kind of cutting it off because you want oh I went I got to win, and like so yeah. like if you got to win, what does that mean? <laughs> Yeah, you have the last word. <laughs> you yeah, know, well, you, what if you didn't, didn't have to win or, or lose?
1: but You could just experience and explore, and just let it let it unfold naturally and see what happens.
0: Yeah, it's just like, and then the people you know, like like what I've learned is like the masks. People have masks, you know, and, and they 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 layer things, and I purposely, yeah. as musicians, we like we try to have a lot of things have like double meanings. Or, or, or maybe it's not as much to the point because we're trying to kind of sneak, sneak an idea in, uh, and 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 hope that people will actually listen a little deeper. They mm-hmm. actually connect it and not just hear the beat. They actually realize there's actually something that's a little deeper than the beat. Yeah. And um, but you find a lot of times you listen to their fans and they they didn't actually get the deeper meaning. They just got the beat. I thought it was fine, that's how they choose to listen. And then you have Mm -hmm. other fans that actually got the kind of kind of hidden meaning that you were putting into it that takes a little bit more than a casual listen to get to and then you appreciate that fan because they're the one that doesn't just listen to the single they listen to the whole album and it's kind of like you know when you're having a conversation did somebody just listen to like your headline or do they listen to the deeper points
1: (laughs) yeah exactly and, and how deeply, like like you said, how deeply were they just listening half-heartedly while they were multitasking and checking their phone and yelling at the kids and, and doing 20 things at once? Or were they focused with the headphones on and really experiencing the whole thing as if they were in it?
0: Yeah. I to a child in the 70s, and I used to listen to vinyl. And the thing I liked about vinyl was it made me listen to the whole artist concept, right? So if I listened to a full album in the seventies, like in 77, 74, and I listened to that whole thing, I got the whole vision that the artist was putting down, not just the hit single, but the whole picture, of what that record meant. And a lot of times those records are like little short stories. They actually have like, they are actually meant to listen together and then people kind of just pluck something out of it, out of context as I, like like living in the cliff notes on a book. It's like, are you going to read Moby Dick? Are you going to read the cliff notes? (laughs) Right. You know. I used to love this. That's why I think people. Yeah. (laughs) But I think it's like, you know, I'm just trying to compare people today because we we're so busy and we have so many things in front of us. There's not like at the age of four channels. You know, it's not the age of like no internet. So how <laughs> do you actually give things that the attention they deserve when you have so many distractions?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of it is if you if you think about your time as if it was money, um, you, you have to spend it wisely and you, you want to spend it where you're going to get the most return for your investment. And you can't afford to let every distraction come along and take up your bandwidth so sometimes it takes having you know having the awareness to be able to say no to something that wants to intrude on your time mm-hmm. because you need to preserve your time for something that's more important so i you know, i tell people that that come to me with this exact same concern how how do i how do i have enough time for all the things when everybody's expecting so much of me and and i think part of it is when when you Say yes to something that somebody's asking you for. Who are you saying no to and what are you saying no to in order to make that happen? Because everybody has the same 24 mm-hmm. hours a day and it's up to us to decide how we're going to spend it.
0: And so that's like when you have the overgiver syndrome, which we were talking about at the beginning, and we is mm-hmm. like kind of the whole thread of our conversation, is it like that prioritization yeah. of your time. And it's like, and and, and are you prioritize? Are you prioritizing? You're doing a prioritization because you feel you have some responsibility to these people that are asking you to do this, these things. Mm-hmm. And and when are you going to actually make part of that prior, priority yourself? I guess so. Mm-hmm. Would, I guess to kind of come out of overgiver is you've got to start giving some weight to your own like internal priorities.
1: Yeah, exactly. So when when you imagine yourself as an elder person at the end of your life, when you look back on how you spent your life, are you going to even remember all the 70-hour weeks that you worked and, and all of the, the time and effort that you spent working for the PTA or saying, saying yes to when your neighbor wants you to bake cookies for the neighborhood cookie drive or whatever it is that's eating up your time? How important are those things going to be when you're at the end of your life, when you look back and say, how did I spend my time and and how how satisfied am I with the way I lived all those years? When you when you're giving so much of your time away to other people and not saving any of it for yourself, it's it's something that, you know, I I hate to see people getting to an elder age and looking back with regret at, at how they chose to spend their time. Um, I experienced that myself and fortunately I kind of woke up in my fifties, but some people, they, they live their whole lives and it never really occurs to them to question how they're, how they're spending their time until they're coming to a point where I only have so much longer to live and now I can't get that time back.
0: I think people need to find their passion because I think once you find a passion, You'll start to prioritize that as something that really makes you feel you. And I see that you you got a fifth degree black belt and you're performing <laughs> with Japanese taiko drumming. And I I lived in Japan for like two years, and my daughter oh, actually awesome. had a sensei to taught her Japanese taiko. Awesome. I love it. Yeah, and it's, it's like it was really, you know, I'm being a musician, I was like, cool, she learned that. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think having a passion. Like it seems like you have a passion about being a fifth degree black belt, that that would start to actually, you know, be something that you're going to put time into that because that, you know that's yeah. a practice that takes some time to get to that level. It's right? true,
1: but you also have to realize that you are worthy of allowing yourself to indulge in that passion because it would have been very easy for me to say. Well, okay, I won't go to the dojo today because you need me to stay late at work. And, you know, I'll I'll just not take a vacation because I love hiking in the mountains. I'll just give up my vacation because you're short-staffed and you need me to stay in work. And and trust me, I did this for years until I realized that I was killing myself doing it. So right. having a passion is important, but also realizing that you're worthy of having that passion and and giving it to yourself and allowing yourself to explore it.
0: I think that's that's where it's like I think people have to find where they hit that moment uh, where they realize they start to realize like why have I been doing these things? Because <laughs> yeah. you know it's like is it because you felt like guilty? Is it felt because you felt obligated that you you you're you're doing it because of like a lack of uh, um, being uh, you know self worth? I think mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's what a lot of times is like you said that people do these things because they think it's going to like earn them points right. in like becoming respected. Mm-hmm. Where that's, like, what that's, that's, that's not probably how it works. Nope.
1: <laughs> My bosses took all the time and energy and work that I gave them and they moved on with their lives and it it took me a while to learn that lesson.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was in the corporate world, and I actually what I did is I I went into the consulting because I was getting into this thing where I felt like my bosses weren't really respecting all the time I was putting into it. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well, I need to get the maximum amount that I need for me to do the things I like to do, like my music and my podcasting and those things." And the, that corporate world structure wasn't working for me, so I actually became like an independent consultant. Then I got to be able to stop being on, I was a road warrior. I was on the plane Mm -hmm. Sunday to Thursday in some city, and having to fly and deal with the Ubers and all that stuff. It's like, why am I doing all that? It's like, now I just, I'm at home and I work with companies all over the world and I get to be in my studio with all my instruments and I get to talk to people and I don't have to spend 14 hours on the road, you know, because somebody told me that's what I had to do. Right. And I said, well, no, I don't have to do that. <laughs> you know, I decided I, these other things like the podcasting and the music, I feel those things are important and maybe they, they don't have monetary value, but they're important to me. And so I wanted to put that into my life and it's like, it doesn't have to necessarily have monetary value to be important. It's just because it makes you feel good. Right. So right. That's why yeah, It's do an it.
1: expression <laughs> of your creativity and you're impacting lives with it too. So I applaud you for taking the the time and prioritizing yourself.
0: I think it's hard for people to make that choice though, because then the people feel like, "Whoa, I should be making the money, I should be on the plane, because that mm-hmm. that shows that I'm actually responsible." Yeah, so and what somebody think should feel me? like like they're being irresponsible?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, what, what what would people think of me if I just said no to my boss and went to pursue my passion? Well they'll probably secretly be inspired that you had the courage to do it.
0: Yeah. I think that's a great resignation. A lot of people started to realize, mm-hmm. why should I be doing what I'm doing? I don't like it, right? Yeah. And yeah. then they started, you know, you know some people made their own businesses, you know, they got into a passion, started traveling, you yeah. know, did did whatever they were going to do. And they found that they, they, they were, the world didn't end based on the paradigm they were in. Right, it is opened up a new thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, the world uh, changes. I think it's always good to, to open voice. up
0: a new. A new can...
1: Yeah, I think that's one thing, and people are, would. It's,
0: it's scary to do.
1: Yeah, it is for yeah. sure. But um, yeah, as I always because tell myself, to do that, and good. do it anyway. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> nobody would ever wish for a pandemic, but I think the pandemic really taught us a lot of lessons about how. Not everything has to be the way we think it does. And we do have the freedom to create a new reality and to create lives the way we want to live them.
0: Yeah, so many creative things have happened where people have been out to create their own businesses, change, you know, careers, get into the arts where they didn't think they could. And then suddenly they are, Um, you know, get into communication careers, get into all kinds of things they didn't, didn't realize that they could do. And sometimes, like, the p- thing that you're most passionate about, it just brings people to you. Yeah. Like, if you get into it, if you start to be happy, it's kind of like this idea, like, a positivity brings positivity. If you're happy, right. then happiness starts to come around you. And then people exactly. start saying, why is he happy? And then people start <laughs> approaching you. You get opportunities. And you didn't even actually put it out there for their, people come to you. Like, my, what I do is sometimes people just come to me and I get things I wasn't even looking for. It. Mm-hmm. It just happens because yep. I'm just putting myself out there. So then say,
1: oh, yeah,
0: maybe he would do I'm that. that they, like, then they, they see I'm talking, so they, they'll talk to me. Yeah, you make yourself approachable. If you make exactly. yourself approachable, things will happen. If you're unapproachable, probably things aren't going to happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, about how we don't even realize the energy that we're projecting, but we perceive other people's reaction to it. Only we think that they're the ones with the problem and not us. Like if I'm, if I'm all frustrated and tense, I'm not going to get a bunch of happy people coming up to me saying, Hey, how you doing? How was your day? But when, when I project that, that happy, easygoing, carefree attitude, I'm going to get a whole different kind of person to come up to me and and start talking to me. So we, we get back what we put out into the universe and that's exactly what the law of attraction is
0: yeah I think it's like it's just the self-esteem issues I think stop a lot of people from from understanding their self-worth and it, it mm-hmm. takes a certain point where they're tired of being on that train to finally you know go to a life coach go to a therapist, mm-hmm. And start talking to somebody, and then you know start to actually you know bring it out. Like I always say with people, like you could have the greatest melody in the world, but if you never put it on, put it on tape, no one's gonna hear it. Right. <laughs> it's like if you don't yeah. take it out of your head, because you, you got to get it out into the world. And what, yeah. you know, I I've seen a lot of people that've got tapes and tapes of stuff as artists, and then they don't put it out. And I'm like, what are you waiting for?
1: Mm-hmm. Like, like
0: you should you should you have no idea the way the world is today if somebody you know in europe or asia or anywhere could like it and it maybe your neighborhood they don't like it but somewhere else they could and All i've right. seen artists when they go to the netherlands and they're like they're big in the netherlands and then they actually get to tour the netherlands and it's like if, if they never put it out they wouldn't have known
1: exactly they, yeah. they
0: actually had somewhere to go
1: Exactly. Somebody somewhere out there is going to appreciate your authenticity. And if you never put it out there, you may actually be denying someone else the thing that's going to inspire them. So that is a lot of what gives me the courage to put myself out there when I'm feeling nervous, like nobody's going to want to hear this. Nobody's going to care. It only takes one person. And if I can be the, the thing that inspires a spark of of positivity or hope or creativity in someone else, then the energy that I spent and the courage it took me to put that out there was totally worth it.
0: Yeah, that's why I always feel like I love the podcast world, because we can introduce yeah. people's visions, people's ideas, and it's, human beings are so creative. And, and, you know, when I first started a podcast, people said, well, you, you're a musician. How are you going to talk to other people other mm-hmm. than musicians? I said, because, you know, music is like a part of life and mm-hmm. I don't feel limited in my conversational capability just because I started with music. Because I found a way to weave it. Mm-hmm. And I talked to a CEO. I talked to, you know, uh, I talked to a shaman. I talked to, to PhDs. I talked to doctors. I talked to anybody i think is interesting because i think you can weave the human voice is is a musical instrument
1: exactly you know
0: and so anytime you're talking whether you're a scientist or a life coach or a doctor or priest or whatever Mm -hmm. it's it's that it's a frequency and it affects people and so that's how i perspective i look at it it's it's all that creative light so you can it's not in a narrow lane you can kind of connect the dots
1: yeah of course <laughs> and we we all have something in common with everybody that lives on this planet and it just takes us dropping our judgment to be able to figure out what that is and to develop a connection based on that
0: yeah so i they think they like the no limit coaching i like the idea like the, your your um website because no limit that's always a great thing you know, in terms of people, uh, you know, my, my, my mantra is like expansive sound and that's Mm -hmm. in the the way I was thinking. And that's why I kind of branched out with like where expansive can be not just the music, it can be the podcast. You got like no limit. That could be like mindset to like not put a ceiling on yourself.
1: So I think it's it's
0: all in the same kind of space.
1: For sure. Yeah. That's, that's it is the worst, the worst heaviest burdens that we carry are the limits that we put on ourselves because of what we think other people's expectations are or because of our belief or lack of belief in what we deserve and what we have to offer the world. So when when I name my business no limits coaching it's really just the removal of the limits that we place on ourselves, learning to believe in ourselves, learning to express ourselves and even when you're feeling that fear to just embrace the fear and do it anyway because you never know what you're going to create and and what new opportunities might come up as a result
0: yeah because people always are like oh why do they why does that person have the audacity to do that well because they're not worried about it <laughs> you, well, know, you know, the, not, the there's no audacity are, in being yourself
1: yeah.
0: but some people want
1: the people who criticize someone else's audacity are the same people who wish they had that audacity themselves. So I, I take that as a compliment when people yeah, criticize what me. Yeah,
0: that's Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, you, you put a piece of work out and then you see somebody that's a critic, they're not a musician or they're not a creator. And they put all mm-hmm. this energy into being negative about it. And I'm like, that's nice that you took the time to do that but wouldn't it be better if you took the time to actually give me some constructive criticism rather than saying, I hate it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's but a lot easier to criticize like someone the, else's I work. hate it
0: doesn't really. <laughs> it up.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a lot easier to criticize and tear yeah. down someone else's work than to have the courage to put your own work out there. So take it as a compliment yeah. when yeah, people that's, criticize that's you. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, you draw attention. I say, you know, there's a social media world. If you start doing that, you actually draw attention and then people say, well, why is this guy? Then people check you out and then you get to be into some list. You start moving up the list. So it's like, mm-hmm. okay, fine. Like, like you just take it as it comes. But yeah, I appreciate the time we've had today. It's always awesome. Yep. I, I want to let people know about the website again. No NoLimitsCoachingNow.com. If people go to your website, what do they find there?
1: Well, the first thing they're going to find is there's a short welcome video from me explaining a little bit more about what they what I do. But there's also uh, two buttons to click on the homepage. Each one will take you to a different video that kind of teaches a little bit about. I have one for stress resilience, and I have another for silencing self judgment, which is the most recent thing that I've done, which I'm super proud of because it made such a difference for me when I learned how to get a handle on my my voice of self judgment has really changed everything about my life and, and lifted so much of my stress and so much of my sadness. And it's a gift that I want to give to the world. So I, um, I put those two freebies out there and people can kind of get a little flavor of what I do. And if they are interested in learning a little bit more, they can get on my newsletter and they can also book a free call with me and I will happily, um, help them to see how these tools could contribute to a happier and more stress-free life. And um, anybody that uh, would like to talk to me, I am here and willing to talk to you.
0: that's awesome. I I think our, our audience appreciates that. And I wanna let people know that that is actually gonna, that link is clickable when we're fully published on Facebook and YouTube and Twitch and all the other places we're on every a type of podcast channel that you can imagine from Apple to Spotify, iHeartRadio, all those things. We're going to have a landing page later today or tomorrow for that for that purpose. You can listen or watch it wherever podcast or listen to or, to or watched. But thank you for being a guest on the Family Electric Ghost podcast. I do appreciate everybody that comes on the show. So thank you very much for being on tonight.
1: Thank you for having me. It has been a thrill getting to know you. I really had a lot of fun today. I appreciate it.
0: have a, have a good night
1: you too thanks